so I was like, oh, great. I did not know that all the water ran down there. And I was like, well, this is already here. So we're going to use this. I have no idea why that was put there because my chickens, they were just dying left and right of disease from this runoff water and it would stand, it would never drain, it would never dry. It was just muddy and disgusting. And um, I finally was like, we need to move the chickens or we're not going to have any left. They're just mm -hmm. dying. And during that time, I'm also like, I'm like, oh, it must be parasites. Because oh, it took me a little bit to be like, this is just the mud and the standing water and the bacteria that's building up. Because it is also very humid here and and disgustingly hot and um so i'm like we i need to treat them for parasites i need to treat them they're like coughing they always seem to have colds so i'm Weird. like researching and doing everything to keep these birds alive This is the Farm Hop Life Podcast. I'm Matt DeRosier. Tonight, my guest is Sophia Neald of Honey Grove Homestead in central Georgia. She's got a great Instagram and YouTube to show off all her homesteading experiences, the good and the bad, which I like. So how are you doing tonight, Sophia? I'm doing okay. Despite yeah. your injuries that we were Despite just discussing? Injury. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> good. Um, so... So let's just let's just jump right in on um, you say that you've been homesteading for 12 years or is it more now? So, no, it's about 12 years, um, but I've only had like more than a half of an acre of property for uh, just since since we moved to Georgia. Um, I have just homesteaded in place with what we have. My husband's job. Uh, has moved us around over the years. Uh, we're we're here for a while now, finally, but um, it's taken years to get to this point. So, sure. yeah. Um, where were you? Where did you guys start out? If you don't mind me asking. So, uh, start out homesteading. Sure. Okay. Well, okay. So originally, I'm from Oregon. Oh, um, okay. And then we moved to Indiana. Um, and so you could say that my homesteading journey actually started like the very, the very like beginning baby ideas of homesteading started in Indiana. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that doing was what? 2009, 2009. So, well, the things that started, it happened to be, um, my kids and, and poor health actually. Hmm. And so it started out with a little tiny garden, just the tiniest little bed of garden, because I was like, I'm growing all my food. And <laughs> so, and I had no experience gardening. I didn't grow up with um, my parents gardening or, or I didn't grow up on a farm. I did have a friend, however, who did, and I spent a lot of time with her and I would help her, you know, uh, feed calves and take care of the pigs and uh, feed the horses. And that, Is that was back even... in Oregon. Yeah. So okay. that uh, she would say, uh, you're going to have to drive while I throw the hay out the back of the truck. And I did not know how to drive. And I was like, okay, well, and it was also a stick shift. So she'd put everything like she'd put the truck in gear and she'd say, okay, just, 
you know, put your foot on the gas just a little bit and I'll run and I'll jump in the back and, and just keep it in that gear. I was like, okay, cause I don't know any other gears. <laughs> so, and she would feed the horses while I drove around their property. Um, and so that was my only experience with any kind of farming. Um, and then we moved away from that part of Oregon. So then it was, you know, uh, another 15, 16 years before that, you know, ever crossed my mind. Sure. I think little childhood experiences like that, um, do affect you, uh, Mm -hmm. whether, whether you're aware of it or not. And you're actually not the first guest I've had that, um, had their kind of homestead slash farm, starting like experience in Oregon. And so Oh, interesting. Um, Oregon's I a good place for that. <laughs> it is. Well, at least it was uh back It was. Mm, probably 80s. Uh I think is what my other guest when he when he was when he was growing up. Uh Yeah. So, uh anyways, so yeah, Oregon was a good spot to start. Yeah. So, yeah. go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> oh, okay. Um so I hope I'm not prying too much, but you mentioned health in mm-hmm. when you were in Indiana. Uh, anything serious or was just like, we all feel terrible and we need to eat better? Well, actually, it was Christmas Eve 2009. And I asked my oldest daughter if she wanted to go to Walmart with me so we could pick up some stocking stuffers. Just, you know, last minute things, last mm-hmm. minute Christmas dinner things. And she was like, yeah, sure. And it was, you know, it was like late morning. Um, and we were walking through Walmart, just, you know, putting stuff in the car. And she, she said, mom, I don't feel good. I need to go sit down. I said, okay. But she took a few steps and she passed out and, uh, you know, 911 came and the hospital did a bunch of testing and they were like, you know, we're not really seeing anything. Uh, her blood sugar was a little low, but you know, that was it. And she, she said, well, I didn't eat breakfast. Well, she was also getting really bad migraines. And so for the next year, we um, were like having her tested and taking her to specialists. And finally, one year after that incident, uh, she had a specialist, um, you know, trying to figure out her migraines and what was causing them. And she said, well, has she been to the hospital at all? This was a new specialist. And I said, yeah, a year ago, she passed out in Walmart and I told her what happened. And she said, well, I want those lab reports. And I said, okay, but they said there wasn't anything, you know, wrong. And so she said, that's fine. I'll just get them. I just want to look over them. So she called us uh, that same day and was like, did they tell you that she, or that your daughter is extremely anemic? And I said, no, they said she was fine. And and she said, well, it's not even just mild. It's just really bad. And she need, needs to get on medication. She needs to get on iron. Um And so we did that, but that was, that was the point that I was like, my daughter's diet, I mean, she is a teenager. Teenager diets are garbage a lot of times, especially if you, yeah, if you weren't raised with, you know, like a big giant garden and more healthy foods. I mean, I was raised on bologna and American cheese. So my kids. Solid. Yeah. Solid diet. <laughs> so my kids were not much better. They they didn't like bologna and American cheese. They did have some whole Dang. foods, but we also did have, you know, a lot of processed foods because 
I have six kids and it was like, I was like, I've got to survive six kids more than anything else. And I didn't, it didn't cross my mind how it would affect their health and stuff. So I started doing a lot of research and just, you know, going down all these rabbit holes. And, um, and that was the very, very beginning of that, like seed that had been planted in my mind. And I started looking into homesteading and growing my own food. And I told my husband, we need to start growing you know, our own food, at least as much as we can on the property that we have. Yeah. I need to start going to farmer's markets. I, I need to do better for the kids and, you know, and for us so that, you know, we can be as healthy as we can and do our part so that we can, you know, be around a long time. So, um, and, and so he, uh, my husband and I built just the tiniest little garden bed and we were so proud of it. Well, I was proud of it. I don't, he probably, he's sitting over here. He probably was like, whatever, <laughs> we'll just do it. And, you know, I planted those cucumbers. I got a pack of cucumber seeds, a pack of tomato seeds, never growing anything, didn't know anything and didn't get much. But what I did get, I was like, I can do this with, with some more knowledge. I need to get books. I need to start studying. I can do this. And, and that was, and then we ended up moving to Washington state, uh, you know, before the second gardening season with that garden bed. And, um, yeah, that's how it started. And that's, it was, it was just kind of a health crisis that set that, that little wheel in motion. There usually is something like people, people are just like, yeah, I'd like to eat healthier, but you know. I don't know. And then something <laughs> happens like it's, it was kind of like stirring around in their head before. And then something happens yeah. and they're like all in, you know, <laughs> this is yeah. the, this is the moment. That yeah. Well, and we were lucky with Indiana because Indiana where we were at, we were in Bloomington, Indiana. And that's like, they had an amazing farmer's market, a lot of little farms, even near where we lived on the back roads that would sell eggs and produce for really yeah. cheap. And so I was able to start getting more stuff. And I think what one of the first healthy meals I made was like a kale potato soup. It was disgusting. And <laughs> my kids hated it and complained, but I was like, okay, but I'm going to keep trying. I'll just get better. So Yeah. But, uh, some, lemon juice on it or something <laughs> like here's the salt guys <laughs> yeah salt salt on salad yeah um so so you've been at your your uh, georgia property for only two years what's yep. it how how have you found the georgia homesteading community to be so i'm just now starting to find it we when we first moved here i mean it was COVID had just started so <laughs> there, it was really hard to meet people. And um, then, you know, I, I'm always looking online for things um, and I'm slowly starting to find the, and on Instagram, I'm starting to find there's like Homesteaders of Georgia, um, the Instagram. Uh, like account or hashtag? Yeah, yeah, Instagram or, account. Okay. There's um, just a lot of little ones like that. And so it was really Instagram that I started finding uh, more homesteaders. But here in in the little town I live in, um, I have found there's, you know, some um, 
she's like, I don't know why, she, why, like, I don't know what she does with her animals. <laughs> she's, but she has a bunch of animals and I found her through somebody else that was like, Hey, just someone, you know, someone, uh, in my church community that's like, Hey, you know, I think you and this lady would, you know, get along and she has a farm. And so I took my granddaughters there and, and we've clicked really well. Um, and she started telling me, yeah, there's this, you know, um, this farm a little bit North of here that you should go to. And we've gone there. And, and so it's just been really nice. slow going, but yeah, it's usually, you just need that one, like, you know, other farm friend that has lived in a place at least a little bit longer than you. And they, her and her husband have only been here since 2019, but because of her, I, you know, started being able to find, I guess, my tribe. <laughs> right. Once you find yeah. the one, the floodgates kind of open to all the exactly. others. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like the same way for us here. Like uh, we, we got some Cornish cross to stock up the freezer and I found out like the Montana growers poultry co-op or whatever that you can get discount on feed and rent processing equipment. And I got a hold of the guy that runs it in my area and we just got to talking and he's been like a huge uh, connection point for me um, yeah. locally. So that's it's great. been cool. Yeah. So yeah, even uh, our local Ace Hardware, there's some really great people that work there. And really, so, something yeah, good happened at Ace Hardware. Is. I yeah, I, and I love Ace Hardware now. <laughs> the the guy that works in the nursery, he is great. He's so full of information. Like I can ask him anything about any you know plant or whatever, and he he he'll tell me. So that's been great, and yeah. Sounds more helpful than my Ace Hardware in my town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some are helpful and some aren't. I I built a drain by myself um, and I had to go to Ace to go get the parts. And mm -hmm. without the, the, you know, guy that was there to help me, I would not have figured that out at all. And he just walked me through it. He told me everything to do. And, and, and I do, like, we live... Uh, in the country mm -hmm. and this is a very rural area of georgia that we live in and um i think that that is part of it you know you just everybody wants to help everybody we're all kind of doing the same thing that's cool that's yeah. good to know um so i noticed you got a you got a couple different things things on your property so you have you still have your pot belly pig we don't. <laughs> oh, dang. So you yeah. had a potbelly pig. We what, had what one. There? So we, when we got our potbelly pig, we did not live here. Had we lived here, we would still have him. Um, oh. But we lived on a half acre and he wanted to be a house pig. And house it didn't pig. matter what we did. He thought he was one of our dogs and he wanted to be a house pig. And he was so big. And our property was not really set up or conducive to having a potbelly pig That's and and we tried so hard to keep him and we ended up just you know taking him to to a farm and he's living his best little potbelly pig life we do plan on adding some cooney cooney pigs to this property though mm, yes that's cool. <laughs> i've had I... a hard time finding any though interesting so then yeah. what other breeds of pig 
do homesteaders like use in your area then? Potbelly pigs is what I keep coming up with. Okay. <laughs> they just yeah. stay outside. They never make it in the they house. They do. I know. And I'm like, no, we've done the potbelly pigs and <laughs> ours ours was a giant toddler we ended up having to put locks on all like toddler locks on our cupboards and um because he got into stuff <laughs> i came into the um, dining room his he had a bed in the dining room and one morning it was about five in the morning and i had gotten up to check on him because i kept hearing noises and the lights were off except for you could see the bathroom light kind of and um he uh had gotten into the cabinets and i was looking all over the floor and i'm like what am i looking at and i had to turn on the light and he had gotten into like the bulk pack of brown sugar and oh, he ate a bunch of it God. but it was also just matted everywhere yeah. so uh, pot belly pigs don't make good house <laughs> I think you'd no. have better luck with the rooster. So the, the house rooster. The house rooster. I keep seeing people with with pet roosters in the house. I'm like, why? It'd be so, awful. I do you have just... closet chicks right now, though. So. Oh, okay. Know. So, um, I was gonna ask you about that a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna make a quick comment about the Cooney Coonies. I mm -hmm. talked to a hog farmer. Well, he does a bunch of other stuff, but I think his main business is hogs. And he's like, I think uh, Cooney Coonies are a pyramid scheme. Don't get them. Because <laughs> any, anybody that wants to say you, like, tells you to get Cooney Coonies, they own Cooney Coonies just, like, just to sell you or is what his, uh, yeah. which I thought was just a funny take on it. So, <laughs> Well, um, like I said, we moved a lot. And we moved here from Utah and we used to go visit this place along this walking trail that had cooney coonies and they had some little pygmy goats and then some other goats and there was a gumball dispenser that you could put a quarter in and get food to feed them and i went there all the time just to feed them and i was like i want cooney cooney pigs just like these little pigs so that's why uh, i'm like no it's gotta be cooney cooney pigs <laughs> fair enough yeah that's just fine yeah. Um. So, so what what other animals do you have on your property currently? So currently, we have gotten rid of our ducks. We sold them. Um. So currently, the only things we have are chickens and chicks. Well, and some roosters and my dogs. Um, okay. Thank goodness that we um had kind of waited to add because of my broken foot. <laughs> so, um. When we first moved here, we were like, I was like, okay, I got to go get the goats. I got to go get, you know, a couple sheep. I need the pigs, whatever. Um, but things cost money. And my focus at first, even though I was like, I got to have all these things, was getting in my gardens and getting in some chickens and, and getting a flock established. And so, um, and we've had kind of a lot of health crisis, crises this year alone between this with my my foot and um i have a son who's been sick off and on and so and i was traveling a lot um back and forth to virginia and here because i do have a couple adult kids that live in virginia and i would go there mm. to help them and so we yeah we were like okay they some of these animals we just have to wait on until things calm down and sure. then 
I had recently just started talking again, like, okay, you know, now we need to start thinking of um, putting up the fences. We have animal pens, but we just got to put up the fences. And then of course I broke my foot. So, <laughs> and this, this endeavor is more mine than it is my family's or my husband's, you know, this is my thing. So while my husband is supportive to build and stuff, I try not to like put too much out there because even now he's, he's, uh, whatever chores my adult, I have a couple adult kids that do live here still. And whatever chores they can't do, he's got to do. Plus, he's working. Plus, he's finishing up his master's program. So he's really busy. And I'm like, okay, well, once again, we have to wait. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. always the time management thing, for sure. Yeah. So what, what kind of things do you have uh, going on your property? Like methods, practices, techniques? Like I saw in one of your videos, you have a, a herb spiral. I do. So... Um, one of my, um, interests since we moved here has become herbs and it started off with that spiral. And, um, I, I was, you know, just researching like what herbs are helpful for chickens, what herbs are helpful for like anxiety, what, you know, and, and I've learned a lot of stuff. I've started building up a collection of books and I've started making like my own herbal teas and, um, my, along with all the like medicine that you get for chickens at like tractor supply and feed stores, I have learned how to use my herbs for my chickens. So I actually have a chicken herb garden that's just for I them. I saw that. Yeah. Um, because I am trying, there is a place for modern medicine, obviously, if, including for chickens and other livestock, but I'm really trying to keep my, animals and this is any future animals this is also my dogs this is all of them uh through you know more natural things such as herbs so i do have my herb spiral that is actually part of the home herb you know garden um last year i spilled a pack of basil <laughs> in the garden i i got so much ba basil i was like i don't know what to do with this all but that that spurred me even more like oh my gosh it grew so well and um, in the past, I haven't had a lot of luck with most herbs in places that we've lived, but here, like everything I've planted is growing great. So, um, nice. yeah, That's good. herbs is one of them. And honestly, like the only thing that I've really needed to get them to grow is to make sure they have a, um, deep enough bed to grow in a little bit of sun. It doesn't even seem to take a lot of sun and I'm constantly adding you know, my chicken compost to them. So, um, that's the method I use to grow my herbs. I, um, also for like our garden, we tried tilling, we, we went out, we bought a tiller. Tillers are expensive. If I'm sure every gardener, every farmer knows this, <laughs> but yeah. we're like, we're going to till up everything. And then we did. And everything started to grow right back. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to work long-term. And so we started doing the no-till method and that it works. You do have to like still keep up. Cause I don't know if it's just Georgia or if this is everywhere, but Georgia weeds will go through, they'll go through anything. I'm, I'm like, there are layers of cardboard down and mulch and they're still coming up. So that is, that's kind of a Dang. fight we've been having uh, is weeds, but I really, I still like 
the um, no-till method. Plus, I've started doing more container gardening, like out on my patio, just finding old wood and stuff on the property. When we moved to this property, there was so much material. Like, we haven't had to buy any kind of fencing material for, like, our chicken yard and coop and stuff. We will have to buy fencing for um, uh, when we add more animals. Uh, and we did buy some um, uh, electric fencing for the garden and the orchard because of deer. Deer are just everywhere here. So, Are you able to hunt them right on your property? I don't know. Maybe. Never Cost, tried? I mean, there's enough. And I'm always hearing gunshots, so I'm sure people do. Um, but we we just haven't done it. Yeah. Um, so what, what things have you tried that have worked well so far in all of your little, in all your homestead, uh, happenings, I guess. Okay. So, um, and I talked about, uh, my chickens and herbs. So when we first right. moved to this property, there was a pre-existing chicken coop and chicken yard. Um, and it was at the very like bottom I'm going to call it the bottom of the property because this is where all the water runs down to. It's the very back of the property. Uh, we're kind of on a hill, just slightly like the house sits at the top and then the driveway, you know, curves down. The driveway is huge. It takes up a lot of space, actually. And then, you know, we've got the surrounding property. And um, so I was like, oh, great. I did not know that all the water ran down there. And I was like, well, this is already here, so we're going to use this. I have no idea why that was put there because my chickens, they were just dying left and right of disease from this runoff water. And it would stand. It would never drain. It would never dry. It was just muddy and disgusting. And um, I finally was like, we need to move the chickens or we're not going to have any left. They're just mm -hmm. dying. And during that time, I'm also like, I'm like, oh, it must be parasites. Because oh, it took me a little bit to be like, this is just the mud and the standing water and the bacteria that's building up. Because it is also very humid here and, and disgustingly hot. And um, so I'm like, we, I need to treat them for parasites. I need to treat them. They're like coughing. They always seem to have colds. So I'm Weird. like researching and doing everything to keep these birds alive. and. Um, so finally, we we had, like, when we moved here, there was a pole barn just sitting. And we don't really have anything to put in the pole barn at this point. And so, and it's, like, up on a hill, kind of. It's, it's like, off in the distance, but from our driveway and, and up. So I was like, we need to move the chickens either, you know, up that, this way or that way. And my husband said, well, why don't we use the pole barn and we'll just turn the whole thing into a chicken yard. We'll fence the whole thing off. We'll build a coop in, you know, in it. And um, I was like, okay. And so that helped some, but because Georgia holds every chicken disease that has ever existed, things I never even knew were a thing. Um, I was still struggling and like keeping them alive and, so um, I built up my, you know, chicken pharmacy. But I, again, I started researching herbs for them. And they get a lot of herbs every single uh, day. 
they get a lot of, you know, I use a lot of apple cider vinegar, a lot of um, garlic. Garlic is something that I'm growing a ton of because I go through so much of it. And mm. that, the just the herbs and just keeping up on their health has been a very successful, like just in that way. Um, you know, animal health is really important because they they provide food for us and without them like that's one less food source and so i do think right. it's important that we you know that we are good stewards and do our best to take care of them and and my chickens now they're you know they're healthy and we have the least amount of bumblefoot i mean we were seeing bumblefoot weekly before all that and so yeah that's it's a method that i use um you know, you'll you'll see people that are like, oh, yeah, sometimes I give my birds oregano oil or whatever. And that's great. Um, but that is also something I use almost daily is oregano oil. Plus they're eating, you know, they're eating as many fresh herbs as I have growing. And the good thing about Georgia, as humid as it is and um, and stuff, uh, herbs grow all year long here. And they like not all herbs grow, but you always have something that's growing and anything that's not growing, you can, you know, just go without that or or do right. like a dried version. So that's another thing is I plan on drying just tons and tons and tons of herbs. I, I would like to do, you know, like a blend, just my little chicken herb blend to mix in with their food. It's so interesting to me how hard some people have to work just to keep their chickens alive. I, I do <laughs> almost nothing. Like yeah. the the weirdest thing I think I've come across is that one of my chickens had hiccups. Like <laughs> I, it, I don't know what else it was. It wasn't like a cough, but it was just like, just like every like five seconds or whatever. It was super weird. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I got some video that I put up on Instagram, but like, so it's wild to me like, Oh yeah. You know, like we had mites, we had this and blah, yeah. blah, blah. I used to do, you know, diatomaceous earth. But then they just started digging holes in the yard and then <laughs> dusting themselves in that. And so I'm mm -hmm. just like, why bother? Uh, they got clean yeah. water and clean, clean food. That's clean good. nesting yeah. boxes. Yeah. And we, we, I use diatomaceous earth regularly um, and they do make their own dust baths. But yeah, uh, my first, my first chicken flock was in Washington. I, I didn't do anything to keep those birds alive and they just stayed alive. And same, we moved to Virginia and I had a huge flock there. I didn't do anything. That's, mm -hmm. that's why I was like, what's Merrick's disease? Like what, what is sauerkraut? You know, what, what are all these things that I have never heard of because I'd never de dealt with them? Not, you know, that was all. I just never dealt with them. Right. So, but Georgia is a very different place and I am really trying to learn more so that when I do have livestock out, you know, outside of my chickens that I'm prepared for them as well. So that You're I'm like not the chicken like... doctor now. <laughs> like yeah, anything, I have friends I've seen that tell me, they're like, Hey, what do I do for this? I'm like, okay, this is what you do. <laughs> Got bumblefoot. I even know how to surgically remove that if needed. <laughs> Wow. So, yeah. I think the worst I had one chicken's like toenails got ripped off. Uh, Ooh, ouch. And uh, I don't know. I don't even know what happened. Uh, all of a sudden, I just saw like 
a little bit of blood here, a little bit of blood there in the chicken coop. And I'm like, who's bleeding? And yeah. So I finally found the one and like the other chickens were like pecking at it because it's bright red. And uh, chickens are so bad at that. Just, yeah, they're the worst. And just kind of kept an eye on it because I wasn't going to like amputate the toe or whatever. If it really got bad, yeah. I was just going to get rid of the bird. Yeah. Sometimes but, that's just the best thing, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, on that same vein, are you guys worried about bird flu where you're at right now? What's it What's it like? So, I mean, cases are really low in Georgia. And I, I'm always a little concerned. My, my birds aren't free range. They are fenced in. And while at the top of their pole barn, birds can fly in, like hmm, little birds okay. will get in there. Um, so far, we haven't had any issues, knock on wood. Um, I'm hoping that we continue to not have issues. Um, yeah, because I'd hate to have to like cull my entire flock that's, you know, established and healthy. And yeah. Right. Yeah. With all the herbs that you're giving them, they could probably live through anything. <laughs> I know. Well, and I hear that the that the avian flu is almost 100% fatality. Like even if you didn't put your flock down. And so, hmm. Yeah it's probably better that if they did get them to put them down so they're not suffering. Not that it would, I mean, I hear that it kill, it can kill in hours. So. Wow. Yeah. That's really fast. I see. I, I haven't really looked into it too much. Um, yeah. I, I read about, about it. it and anytime I find or hear about a, you know, a new thing like that could affect my chickens, I'm like, okay, now I need to research so that I know what to do. And I mean, honestly at that point the best thing for me to do would to actually be to call the you know the local um oh you know the local office that deals with that and let them deal with it so right we'll just have to set up a hotline i know uh, directly to your phone number 1-800-CHICK-DOCTOR or something i don't know <laughs> and i'm not a vet and i try and like Di put a disclaimer i am not a vet uh at all um mine's just personal experience and what has worked sure. for me so and honestly i would go to vet school but i feel like i'm kind of too old for it and i don't really have time for it <laughs> <laughs> let me so. teach you something yeah <laughs> um so so you kind of went into to what started as a bad situation, something that didn't work, and then you made it into something that did work. Let's go back into the what didn't work. <laughs> Why did you get rid of your ducks? My ducks didn't work. Um, I've had ducks in the past. I love ducks. Um, but in the past, we just had a different setup. We had, they were more free range. They had more open space. And because we cannot have them free range here, we've got too many hawks, too many coyotes. I don't have, you know, a livestock guardian dog. I have a, a farm dog that, you know, would be too scared to fight off anything and lives in the house. Um, and so they were just, the pole barn is a very large space, but they were so messy and they just, they just weren't working in there. Mm. Like, and, and you could tell they were just not happy. I, that's something that's important to me is that the animals that I raise that, that they're happy that, you know, they live as happy of a life as a 
bird or a any farm animal can have. And um, so for us during this time, they just weren't working for us. And um, they were also large. I um, accidentally got some giant uh, Pekin ducks. <laughs> I prefer to do like the the khaki campbells they're a mm -hmm. smaller bird and uh a little bit easier so i <laughs> when i bought my chicks and i swore up and down this year i wasn't going to add chicks because you know we do have plenty of birds but chicken math right you're like well i'm gonna go get they got in some um silver laced uh polish chicks and i've wanted that breed for a long time and i was like i'm just gonna get a couple and now I have nine chicks and they had baby ducks. And I was like, Oh no, you're not getting them. I really had to fight that one off. Um, so you bought an so, extra couple chicks to compensate for the lack of ducks. To compensate for the lack of ducks. But um, eventually we will, we will probably do ducks again. I, we like their eggs. Um, they're funny to watch, you know, one of the reasons that I like to have birds is because they're hilarious. They do funny things. Yeah. And um, along with providing food for my family, of course. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, YouTubers actually is Goldshaw Farmer because, uh, wait, Goldshaw Farm, Goldshaw Farm. Anyway, he he has a lot of birds and I love to watch all his birds and all his ducks and he's got like runner breeds and I'm like, hmm, that's a breed that might work here. But so... My my particular ducks, it may have just been that particular breed of duck just wasn't going to work. They're too big True. and I needed something smaller. But so for now, no ducks. <laughs> I wonder if you did a little bit of earthworks in the lower part of the property to get that spot to drain a little bit better. Like maybe like, you know, so the water's like cycling, like moving. It's not so stagnant. I wonder if you could, and then, but then you'd still have your predator problem down there. We um, still have the predator problem. Um, I think, so when we start adding other things, we will come up with something, whether I get, you know, a donkey or a llama or an, you know, a, um, LGD, I will do something to help and and at that point i should be able to free range at least to some extent sure. um which i would love i i was talking to my neighbors and they said the people that lived here before they free ranged for a while and then all of a sudden they you know built that coop and i was like yeah because there's a hundred hawks to every tree around here <laughs> so there's a ton of hawks plus we have vultures here which i did not know and they're everywhere i had an armadillo in my yard and I don't know if it just died or if they killed it, but I had a whole swarm of vultures in my yard for a day and a half. And, wow. you know, from a distance, they kind of look like black chickens. And <laughs> I, a lot of times I'll see them. I'll be like, Ooh, a chicken. I'm like, no, no, those aren't chickens. Don't stop and get them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would go well. <laughs> Probably so, not. Yeah. Plus, plus vultures are pretty ugly. They are ugly. <laughs> yeah, pretty ugly. They're everywhere here. There's some weird animals here. I, that's, you know, that's also been something new. I'm, I, I didn't even know armadillos were outside of Texas. I just because yeah. I'm not from the South. I had, I had never been to the South until uh, we came to close on our house. My husband flew out here to pick oh. our house. So 
Yeah. What would you say, like, what's been the biggest challenge in homesteading that you faced? What's been, what's been the biggest you challenge? You know, up until yesterday, the biggest challenges have been, you know, when you're trying to grow your own food, it feels like it's like three steps forward and two and a half steps back because, um, such as your animals dying or, um, last year I planted tons of cabbage and tons of beans. My goal was to provide, like to dry out my beans and to provide all my beans for my family for the year. And the deer got them the day before harvest, or I should say the night before harvest, the deer ate every single one of them. They annihilated all of them. And um, moths got to my cabbages and they were so beautiful. All they needed was maybe another week and a half to two weeks. And I would have, you know, been able to harvest them. And so that's been one of the biggest challenges is just fighting off, you know, whether it's disease with animals or bugs or deer that just, it's why we now have the electric fence. They started like eating our orchard trees, (laughs) which had just been planted the summer before or in, cause this will, let's see. When we hit August, that's our second year here, but our third August here. Um, And we planted, we got those trees like right when we moved here. It was the first thing we did. Everybody says like, you know, plant your orchard the the second you can because it takes so long to grow. So we did that. And yeah, the deer just started eating them. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, one day I just cried. I was like, I'm trying so hard and we are almost where we need to be. And then and then we're not and then we have to start all over again i did end up getting a second a little bit smaller like bean harvest so i didn't Mm -hmm. get to provide all you know everything for my family but i did get to provide some and i was able to do some like seed saving or bean saving um for this year which which is helpful but yeah just trying to like um be able to eat your food and not not have it be eaten or die or whatever that's been my struggle um do you want to i know it's only been a day but do you want to talk about the struggle you've had with your broken (laughs) foot so yeah this is the worst season to break any body part although if i was going to get to choose i would have picked an arm (laughs) because i need my legs yeah um you can't (laughs) you can still walk around with your arm broke But um, yeah, so because this is like the start of the season and I, I do the planting and I do the majority of the weeding. My husband's like the builder and, you know, he does that stuff. I care for the animals. Um, You know, I water everything. I, I keep things alive and uh, I'm stuck on the couch at least for two weeks until I get my cast off and get my boot on. And then I can scooter around a little bit, but um, yeah, just the second it happened, I was like, no, this is the worst time. This can't, I, I'm not accepting this. Like I did not want to accept that I had just broke my foot, but my foot popped. It was pretty gross. <laughs> so first thought this hurts. Second thought I need to have so much gardening to do. I know that was seriously how it worked. And I, you know, I, 
I was on Facebook and I just was like, hey, <laughs> friends and family, I need a chicken wrangler for the year or for the season and um, a good gardener. <laughs> I need somebody to come out. <laughs> so, but, you know, everybody works and has their thing going on. And, um, but I do have, I have, like I said, a couple adults, adult kids here and my husband here, and they're pretty helpful, like when I need help. Um, they'll they'll help they might complain a little bit but they'll still do it but it is frustrating because I hate adding all these chores on to somebody else because it's a lot it's a lot of work right it's kind of yeah. like you said like it's your thing it's your labor of love like it's mm -hmm. hard work but it's rewarding and it's just the thing that you like to do it's not necessarily it their thing it's not their thing and um especially my adult kids like <laughs> they're like no, mom, because they didn't, they, we, I didn't start this when they were tiny. I started this when they were like, you know, I think the youngest kids were in the third grade and then the other four were in middle school and high school. So mm. to them, they're just like, why do you want to work so much? They always ask me, why do you add work to yourself? I'm like, because this is important to me. And this is like, you know, I have two little granddaughters now. Um, one is six months and the other one is two. And my two-year-old granddaughter goes out and she waters the garden with me. And uh, I let her pick, you know, things like strawberries. I've got strawberries coming in. I have a few beans coming in and stuff. And I take her out there because I want it to be so natural to her and just mm -hmm. something she's always been around because, it, you know, it's a legacy that I want to leave behind. Even if we move from this property, my my grandchildren will have the skills to do the same thing. And that's what I want. And and so that is really important to me. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, yeah. We had gone huckleberry picking last year. Well, so my son will be will be two here shortly. And uh, the first first year he was born, he couldn't have been more than like six weeks old. I had him in front carrier we were picking huckleberries out in the woods <laughs> last year same same front carrier just facing out and i'm picking huckleberries and putting them uh in a container and he's eating them like as fast as i can pick them and so you know i wasn't even mad he's got like purple stains on his fingertips yeah. so it's pretty cute and uh we'll go out again this year uh and hopefully he can like pick some of his own and i you know last year uh, I was turning up some of the leaves for him to find and him to, you know, work on that dexterity and yeah. pick some of the berries and like smash, smash, smash. <laughs> smash them. Yeah. And it's such an important time. You know, you don't realize they're, they're little and you're like, well, they can't do much, but this is when they learn. So something I did do as a very small child is my grandmother and my dad would forage mushrooms. And I remember being, you know, five and six and knowing my mushrooms, I have no clue now because it's not a skill I continued. Um, sure. I forgot that we did that. Matter of fact, I forgot that we did that until it was about a year ago. I remember, I remember going out with them, but then I had this very vivid memory of me, like bringing these mushrooms to my grandma and my grandma saying, good job. You got the right ones. And, um, yeah, like it's such an important age right now. Like 
I'm teaching my two-year-old granddaughter her herbs. She doesn't know that's what I'm doing because I'll be like, smell this. This is mint. Smell this. You know, this is thyme. Smell like everything. She loves smelling everything. And as she, as she's doing something she loves, I am teaching her. And so, yeah, that's really important that you you're teaching your son now while he's little. See, I think we don't give kids enough credit that they pick up on way more than we think oh, they yeah. do. <laughs> like you. my, uh, my mother-in-law was in town not too long ago. And uh, I think for Valentine's day, we got her like a bouquet. Um, just saying that it was from my son. And so she would like be playing with him during the day. And, you know, he's like flowers, flowers. And she's like, yeah, you know, this one's a mom, this one's a blah, blah, blah. And I don't, I don't know them all, but you know, after a week he was like, this one's blah, like, you know, he was able to name all those different flowers. And I'm like, I only knew like two of them and he could name all six or whatever it was. And yeah. Um, you know, learning how to crack an egg for breakfast in the morning. Like that's Uh important. That's important dexterity. And he wants to do it, even though he, uh, there was like, he dropped an egg on the floor one time and I didn't even make a big deal about it. He's just like, now he just points at that spot on the floor and goes egg. Yeah. It was there. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, we, um, I like to take my granddaughter. We found this wagon, uh, you know, big solid plastic wagon uh, at the thrift store, the local thrift store. She loves that thing. So I put her in it. I take her down to the chickens. We go get eggs. She loves to like hold the eggs. And mm-hmm. I keep a lot of boiled eggs in the house though, because then when we bring them in the house, I switch them out because she will throw them. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she loves the eggs. So, and I've been teaching her slowly how to make bread and, um, because we, we eat a lot of sourdough. So I will just put a little bit of flour in her bowl with some flour dough start just so she can stir it while I'm doing my thing. And, you know, I did not do this with my children when they were little. And it makes me so sad. Like now, when because I'm doing this with my granddaughter. And as soon as my other granddaughter is older, she's only six months old, we'll do the same thing. And I'm like, man, I should have started this when, when they were little. I I, it didn't cross my mind at the time, but sure, yeah. at least somebody will get it. <laughs> somebody will have these skills. So would you say that uh, teaching your granddaughter these skills is the best part of homesteading? Or what would you say the best part of homesteading is? Um, that's a good question. Honestly, I like so much about it. I really do. I love – one of the things I love is – to any anyone who loves gardening would probably say the same thing taking that little tiny seed putting it in the ground you really don't do much you water it you make sure it's got some good soil and then it grows into this like huge amount of food i mean because if you think of like the size of a cabbage seed and then it here's this huge cabbage and a cabbage can feed you know you can make sauerkraut or you can do whatever and that's going to feed your family for a while and And to see that these little tiny seeds miraculously grow into something that you can feed your family is amazing to me. And it's something I love. But I actually think you are right in that my favorite thing is teaching my granddaughters because, well, granddaughter currently, um, because she's, I see that she um, likes it. You know, she wants to go out. She stands at her door 
So we have an apartment um, like downstairs. It, it was the basement and that's where her and her family live. And she stands at the door and her mom will tell me and, and she says, uh, see Mimi, see Mimi, see Mimi. She wants to come up. And she, when, when she comes up, she comes and pulls on my shirt because she wants to go outside. She wants to pick the strawberries. She wants to go in the garden. She wants to water. Like that's what she wants is to be out there. She wants me to take her to the chicken. She says, uh, see chickens. Well, she calls them kitchens, see kitchens. And, um, yeah. And we go down there. She's not scared at all. She loves them. She, you know, she likes to go in there. She likes to like try and give them food and, her mom is the opposite. She's very scared of all animals, including chickens, which is weird because she's never been attacked by an animal. But um, yeah, she's, it's, it's, it brings a lot of joy to be able to see that, um, you know, that I get to teach her things Mm -hmm. as I learn, because I learn something new all the time. Like I'll, you know, I'll read something or watch something. I'm like, are you serious? That's probably why, you know, that's probably why my blueberries didn't grow or stuff like that. So I'm learning with her and, um, yeah, I, you know, having a homestead, your homestead is a classroom and you just learn so much and your kids learn so much. And yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to do that together. Definitely. Um, so how does that tie in with uh, quality of life on a functional homestead? You know, I was pondering that question. <laughs> um, and while it is super enjoyable, um, you still need breaks. So something, because you see it all the time, burnout is real on a homestead. And it is. It doesn't matter how much you love something. If you... Uh, I don't know, like last, last summer is prime example. I don't know how many times I was ready to throw in the towel because we were fighting so many different things, uh, trying to grow our own food. And it seemed like, you know, we would, we'd finally be almost where we were, you know, we were getting somewhere and then three chicken died. And then, you know, our crops were being wiped out and it, it's so frustrating. And so during those times, in order to keep going, you do need to take a break or you need to get away or, um, yeah, in order to, I guess in order to, to, uh, continue to do it and love it because you can keep doing something and keep doing something and keep doing something and not love it and get sick of it and hate it and do it because you feel like you're supposed to do it or you have to do it. And there's nothing else but, you know, taking those breaks and taking a step back. And, you know, even if the reason you're taking a step back is because you need to do some more research or you just (laughs) you don't want to throw in the towel. um, Those breaks are important and and a break can be whatever you need it to be. Uh, We don't really go on vacation. We don't we don't have time really. But um, sure. Yeah, I, like I had said, like this year, I said I wasn't going to add chicks to our flock um, because I really felt like, no, we spent so long getting this flock healthy that um, I was worried that, you know, 
it's going to bring in because you never know birds you bring in you never know if they're if they've got something and it is good that i keep mine in the house and then in the garage for the first you know several weeks mm -hmm. but um yeah i feel like you definitely have to have breaks and take a step back and something i was thinking about was it's really hard for us to admit a weakness like i'm yeah. stubborn and i'm like no, if that didn't work, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Um, sometimes I'm spending hundreds of dollars doing this and this and this and not getting anywhere. Um, and I think that in order to not do that, to not get stubborn, um, to be willing to say, okay, this, this is kind of my limit right now. Like it's okay to have limits and I, I just need to stop and I need to focus on something else or I need to not do that this year and not add this to my plate and, you know, recognize when your plate is really full. But I don't know if that answered the question. That was a, a lot of like, <laughs> well, just... um, so then since you didn't answer the question, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, what do you do to take breaks then? And to like take a step back and not get burned out. Yeah. So <laughs> I am really bad at not taking breaks, but usually I will just go do something for the weekend. And um, I sometimes I'll just say, you know what, whatever. <laughs> My husband can feed the birds or water the garden or not. And no, he always feeds the animals. Um, but yeah, I um, I will go to Virginia at times to see my kids. That's something I do do. Uh, we can't do that together because someone always needs to be here. Right. But um, or currently we can't. I don't have a farm sitter. I, like I said, I do have adult kids, and if I was going to leave for a day or two, they'd be okay. But they're not okay on their own for a week. Um, but yeah, so I, I do that. My husband, his, he had some family in town and he went and did some stuff with them for a few days. Um, but yeah, sometimes just taking a break is just, you know, not leaving the house and binge watching something. Outlander is available. So <laughs> that's something you and I my wife could talk about that. I will not be watching Outlander. I love Outlander. Yeah, you have to pay for stars to to get it. And so I was like, that's it. It's all available now. I'm watching it. <laughs> I thought it was on Netflix. That's how she's been watching it. Well, the some of the first seasons are like the first four or five, but the new season is only available on stars. Oh, so, okay. I got gotcha. you. Mm -hmm. But that's how they yeah, get you. So breaks can be whatever you need them to be. And um it's it, and it is really hard to take a break. It is hard to take a break when or if you don't have someone to take your place on your property, that's, you know, I see a lot of um, people on Instagram going on vacation and I'm like, how, like, how do they do that? Right. But, um, I did have, I interviewed a couple that runs a pretty decent um, vegetable operation up in Wisconsin. And uh, every year they take a one month trip to Mexico to like, just yeah. kind of, I guess, kind of, you know, wind down after busy season and yeah, then kind of, you know, get their energy back for the upcoming season. So, yeah, you know, 
that and that's crazy to me that they're able to pull that off but good for them <laughs> that's really cool yeah um but i mean it makes sense vegetables are pretty seasonal in wisconsin so it's not like a short you know, season there in wisconsin yeah um, they they use um like high tunnels and oh okay um, stuff like that so that's good yeah um so should everyone be growing at least some of their own food yes if if they are capable like i know there's you know people out there that they're just not able to do it for whether it's like health or age or whatever but if you're capable yeah i do believe so um I just read something. I can't remember if I was on Facebook or Instagram that was like, if everybody grew one crop, we could all share our crops and food would be, you know, free. <laughs> and to an extent, that that's true because if you live in a close uh, community and everybody's growing something, you guys are just trading with each other, then yeah, that would make such a huge difference in just our food system. And this year, I was really paying attention to how many recalls there were on food it was disgusting like that you know you you're supposed to feel some comfort when you go to the grocery store and you're buying food you're like okay the usda approved this or check this and then you're like oh no my husband got food poisoning last august from onions um there was that big onion recall and he got sick from it and he was severely sick and I, it's terrible. It is terrible. And and that is just one of the many reasons that if you're capable of growing anything, even if you have a windowsill, if you have a porch, I have a, a daughter and her husband that live in Virginia. They have a balcony. And I'm like, you guys, you need to grow stuff. And I took a bunch of, you know, just stuff, seeds and, and uh, grow bags and stuff to them so that they could have a little garden which they are interested in. And actually my daughter's husband was like, we're doing it and planted a bunch of stuff. And Good for him. I, That's awesome. I think it's so awesome. And I think that everybody should do something. Even if all you can grow is your herbs, grow your sure. herbs. Like everybody can do something. And, you know, and then I, what am I trying to say? Uh, you know, if you can do farmer's markets and if you have friends and family that grow, like, help them in their garden and, and share or, you know, and get paid through food, help them with their animals, you know, something I, my whole family, um, when we lived in Washington would help this lady on a horse farm so that we could have manure for our garden. And I just think, you know, there's always some way to get fresh food and, um, and yeah, grow what you can, if you can. Yeah. My, my thing is like, if, okay, if you just don't want a garden, like you just don't want to put in the time, mm -hmm. that's fine. I can understand that, but go connect with some neighbors or somebody you like, go find somebody that yeah. does have a garden and will give you extra zucchini. It's just like, uh, is it there like a joke? Like give your neighbor yeah. a zucchini day or something like that. Like, just like, yeah. And so, like, give a crap about your food because if you can get food poisoning uh, off of onions, like, yeah. it's always it always seems to be salad. It's like uh -huh. we don't uh, buy salad just, bags anymore. We're like, no, <laughs> we don't no, need that. It's, <laughs> we it's don't always need a, salad. 
it is always my husband. He's like, never buy romaine lettuce. Don't buy it. I'm like, oh, I'm not buying it because it's dangerous. You yeah. know, you just you don't know anymore. And yeah, triple washed my butt. Like, yeah, it's true. I feel so much safer yeah. with with the things I grow than you know wasting money on grocery store produce. Right. So what would you tell people that want to get started? It's probably just the normal answer you get. It's so cliche. Just start, just, you know, go. Now I just said it's not very safe to buy grocery store produce, but go to Walmart or whatever and buy a basil plant. Start with that. Just start. Like I spent... I don't know how many years researching chickens before I did it. And had I just done it like, yeah, I probably would have had a lot more like trial and error to like get through, but I wish I had done it earlier because, because it's been a blessing for our family that uh, a, that I have the skill that I have to take care of them and B that they give our family food. And as I always remind my husband, it's not about the money that I put into the chickens. You know, I'm not like trying to figure out, okay, well, it costs this much to feed them and they give us this many eggs. That's not real. I don't think about it that way. Like I know where my eggs come from. I know what my chickens eat. Um, I know they're healthy. I know they're happy. They're not shoved into cages or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so just start somewhere and don't be scared to fail because what do they say? The best, the best farmers have failed over and over again. And that's true. I I have failed a ton, but the first time that you, you know, get your first egg or milk your first cow or uh, pick your first tomato, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I did this and I can do this more and I can get more and I can, you know, I can expand. And even even if you have a very small space, we lived in Utah. Um, and I had, uh, it was like 0.17 acre. And (laughs) I, (laughs) it came, I know it came with a garden bed and I took that garden bed that first year and I planted it and, uh, I got quite a bit of stuff. And then, over the winter, I added a bunch more garden beds. We planted two apple trees. I found these apple trees at uh, Walmart on clearance for like $2 each. So I bought two apple trees. I bought a peach tree. Like Dude, I, <laughs> I know I utilized that space. We had uh, the next summer, we didn't buy any of our lettuce or anything from the store. I was, I was harvesting lettuce. I was harvesting um, spinach. We had yellow squash coming out our ears. We started getting zucchini in. Uh, I was growing a a few of my herbs, the ones that would grow. We had tons of strawberries coming in and carrots and like everything. And it was just a small space. And if I can do it, and I have spent 12 years learning how to not kill my plants, anybody can do it. That's very well said. And I do want to say like point one seven acres does it sound like a lot because a lot of people are like oh you know if i had t- five acres 10 acres 20 acres 40 acres like it's never enough but like yeah look at how productive you were 
on that yeah, point less one than seven a acres, of an acre everything's so close like yep. so you can you don't you know that's kind of like the thing with people with larger properties even half acre plus yeah uh you no know, everything can get so spread out and so you kind of don't have that you know in in permaculture like the zone one and zone two so like you yep. know um you know every you're you're seeing everything every day you're touching everything every day you're you're walking that path you know it yeah. gets the attention that it needs in it you know so it's um yeah there's nothing wrong with small acreage at no, all and and that was actually one of the things that got that house sold when we sold it was I had this beautiful garden that I had, nice. you know, babied and taken good care of. And it was like the middle of summer and all the things are coming in. And the wife was like, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful. Like and just and and what's interesting is Utah's really expensive. And we sold our house there for the same price. We bought this house here with property. Um, and and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like how much you can get in a state that's cheaper. But yeah. And out here I'm like, I want a garden here and I want one there. And I and so that's why I have all these spaces because I can't make up my mind where I want to grow things. <laughs> and I funny. can grow it wherever I want to grow it. So <laughs> there you go. Now you have too many options. I have too many options, yes. <laughs> um so uh wrapping up here. Where can people find more about what you're doing? So they can find me on Instagram. I'm at Honeygrove Homestead and my YouTube channel also Honeygrove Homestead. So Perfect. and yeah, I um I want to say I definitely share more on Instagram, obviously. Um, but I do have several videos up on uh YouTube on my YouTube channel. Great. I will have a link. To both of those in the show notes so yeah. i really appreciate your time uh yeah. this evening i know it's i know it's late even if you are a night owl but yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate you being here of course thanks for having me you're welcome fantastic interview with sophia lots of great information from the chicken doctor and her pharmacy thanks for watching everyone please like subscribe and most importantly share this video check out our website farmhoplife.com on the website you can see a curated list of social media posts all in one place under the social tab sign up for our email list there to be notified when new videos interviews and podcasts are available you can email me anytime matt at farmhoplife.com i'm always looking for new people to interview if you'd like to come on to talk about homesteading farming food security homeschooling just go to farmhoplife.com slash guest thanks go feed yourself